because instead of getting $6.1 billion in property tax relief, I think we're actually going to see an increase in property taxes collected across the state of about $300 million. And even the school M&O property tax relief portion, which is what the homestead exemption and the property tax rate reductions went to, that instead of getting $6.1 billion, it's probably closer to... Hello, welcome to this week's economy. I'm your host, Dr. Vance Gann. Thank you for joining me here again today. Today is January 12th, 2024, and I've got a lot to talk about again this week as there's a lot of news in the economy and what's been happening overall at the national level, the state level, and some new news from my front as well. And so with all that, let's get right to it. The first thing I want to talk about is last week's jobs report. Didn't get a chance to talk about that because it came out after I had recorded. You'll hear that the BLS report was a strong report for December, but that's if you don't look beyond the headlines. Of the 216,000 non-farm jobs added in December, there were 52,000 unproductive government jobs that were added and a revised 71,000 fewer jobs that were added in October and November. So whenever you correctly remove those, you only had 95,000 jobs that were productive jobs added in the month of December, which is not strong. I mean, at least it's positive, but it's not strong. Some other weak indicators, that there were 700,000 people that dropped out of the labor force, bringing the labor force participation patient rate down to 62.5%, the lowest since February of 2023, and well below where we were of 63.3% pre-lockdowns, pre-COVID lockdowns, which if you included those people back in and said, okay, the labor force didn't reduce, didn't go down, it would bring that 3.7% unemployment rate way up closer to five, five and a half percent. And so that might be a more realistic um, unemployment rate that we're looking at today. And if you look, include the unemployment rate, the U6 rate, which includes discouraged workers who have stopped looking for work, and those who are working part-time but will like a full-time job, that's up to 7.1%. And then if you look at average weekly earnings, which I'll talk about some today, you know, they were up 3.7%. But inflation numbers are also running hot of around 3.4%. And so 3.3, 3.4%. So we're right around, you know, very flat to, to minimal increases in real average weekly earnings. So that's another thing that's that's going to be hit here. So you can't just look at the headlines of the jobs report or any other report because the media and talking heads will bias it towards the positives. We must acknowledge positives and the negatives. This report is mostly a negative from my view, but I'm glad to see the job gains on net and nominal wages rising. There's much more room for improvement by doing what? Getting government out of the way. The next thing I want to talk about is CPI inflation came out yesterday. And what it shows is that inflation remains heated as we're seeing this all around us and that we still have weak real earnings. So this will continue until the Fed has more quickly cut its, cut its assets and Congress stops rapid deficit spending, which looks like they're not going to do anytime soon. So my guess is we'll continue to have rapid inflation. It's nice that it's moderated some, but it's still out there. It's still pretty hot, especially when, when families were already behind on a lot of their inflationary pressures and the real wages weren't keeping up for so long. So headline inflation for the month of December was up 0.3%. CPI year over year was up 3.4%. The core, so you exclude food and energy, was up 0.3% for the month. And year over year was up 3.9%. So this is something we need to keep looking at. Real average weekly earnings year over year is up about 0.4%. And so that's something else that, I mean, at least it's positive, 
but inflationary pressures are still all around us. And again, this won't stop until Congress stops overspending and running up massive deficits, which the latest budget deal that looks like the House has together along with the Senate will continue to increase spending. It's nice to see that there's $10 billion that's coming out of IRS agents, which we don't need to be expanding the IRS. We need to be ending the IRS. But unfortunately, there's still continue to increase government spending, which is going to drive up the deficit and debt and everything else and not put us on a sustainable path forward. What we need is a sustainable budget that it, that limits, you know, reduces spending overall, and then caps how much the growth can be to no more than population plus inflation. Americans for Tax Reform has a good page on that, atr.org forward slash budget project, where you can find out more of that, where I've been working with them on that project there. You know, the other thing that I wanted to talk some about was the GOP debate last night. Yeah, I thought there was too much infighting and not enough specificity between Governor Ron DeSantis and former Governor Nikki Haley. But there were some good highlights, I think. They had some good points about each other, mostly. I didn't see a whole lot about or hear a lot about the details of how they're going to cut spending. Remember, that's the big thing that we need to be talking about right now. The, the biggest national crisis is the national debt, and we can't do anything about that without reigning in government spending. Sure, you can raise taxes. That will help temporarily, but that will also put the economy weaker than it otherwise would be, which will drive up inflationary pressures um, and also drive up the deficit over time. That's not a good way to bring down the deficit and debt. You've got to focus on cutting spending. So I'd like to see more about that. I'll put more about that under the paywall on vanscan.substack.com where hopefully you can become a paid subscriber there. You'll get a lot of the information without doing that, but I think it's I'm trying to put a lot more information under the paywall so we can have even better discussion about all the things that are going on and more details to support what's happening there. And, and look, with all this information, I think that we've got to get back to that sustainable budget project that ATR is looking at and um, where we have a strong spending limit that covers the entire budget capped by the average rate of population growth plus inflation over the last three years or something along those lines to really rein in government spending. Had it, had we done that the, over the last two decades, instead of having a $19 trillion added to the national debt since um, 2003, basically, uh, they would only had an increase of $500 billion to the national debt. That's something that's much more manageable than the $34 trillion in gross nas uh, national debt that we have today. So The Economist had this article recently comparing Trump and Biden in the first three years of their presidency, and they ultimately said that you know kind of Biden was winning overall. I was like, I don't, I don't think that's quite right. And so I give Trump the win on these measures when you consider more thorough analysis of what was going on. But, and this was looking at inflation, unemployment, a whole bunch of other economic measures that were out there. But this is with a huge caveat, as the Trump lockdowns were a mistake and did great damage to the economy, wages, inflation, deficit, oil production, and more importantly, people's lives and livelihoods. While I would give the win to Biden for Trump locking things down, I don't think he would have done things differently as he was for the lockdowns and wanted it to be much harsher and longer than Trump. So I think this is a major blemish on our history, so we must be very careful with any analysis of the data during this period um, and thereafter. But when you consider the anti-growth policies of Biden compared with the pro-growth policies of Trump on net, there were more opportunities for flourishing under Trump than Biden. And that's one of my key hallmarks of the Let Peel Prosper show is how do we find more human flourishing? And that's where I think under the Trump administration, we the, the economy and people did much better, excluding 2020, which was a, a big mistake.
So I'll put that also in the show notes so you can see more of that as well. I had a piece out in the center square talking about Texas property rat tax relief, which isn't being felt by many Texans. And the amount of tax relief would be much less because of excess state and local government spending. So they provided about $12.7 billion in new relief, but only $6.1 billion of that was for the first year of fiscal year 24 or 2023, right? And then there was about $6.6 billion for the next fiscal year. And what's coming in is a lot of people are getting lower property tax bills, mainly because the school M&O portion, the maintenance and operation portion is going down. I know mine did, but it's not as much as what they were saying in relief of an average of about $1,400. And so that is a concern that many people are feeling across the state. And it really was because we didn't use as much of the surplus, which they said was $33 billion. And there was no restraint on local government spending. And so, or, or putting the no new revenue rate, um, making that the rollback rate instead of 3.5%, that would have really reined in the amount of property tax tax relief across the state. And so these are some things we need to learn because instead of getting $6.1 billion in property tax relief, I think we're probably only going to see, we're actually going to see an increase in property taxes collected across the state of about $300 million. And even the, the school M&O property tax relief portion, which is what the homestead exemption and the property tax rate reductions went to, that instead of getting $6.1 billion, it's probably closer to about four, a little over $4 billion. And so a lot of that was eaten up even by the school districts themselves by spending too much. We need a better spending limit at the state level and at, in the constitution that is, because we already have a pretty good one in law, but we need a better one at the constitutional level next session, but also a spending limit that goes down to local governments as well. That's where the, the burden really comes from. So you could check out that commentary. I did want to note on the state news that I am now a board member of the Texas Policy Research Initiative, which launched this week. And they had a good post about the messy legislative process in Texas. It's a new free market think tank here in Texas where it's run by Jeremy Kitchen. So I'll be doing a little bit of work with him, but mainly he's going to be one running all of that. But it's a, a great way to get more information out there. They'll be doing a lot of bill analysis and things of that nature. So be sure to check them out. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Today, there was also the release of the South Carolina Sustainable Budget for 2025. They've been doing this now for a couple of years. They've been working a lot with them at the South Carolina Policy Council. And what that did was looked at population plus inflation compared to what was passed last session. And that puts a limit of $12.27 billion of a 5.38% increase based on population plus inflation. So I'm hopeful that they can make sure to keep that down as well. So I'm also excited to announce that I'm an associate research fellow at the American Institute for Economic Research. Don't miss my latest piece on how states are hurting people by raising their minimum wages. Remember, 22 states raise their minimum wage. You could also wanted you to check out my updated personal website, vanskin.com, where I've updated it. You can reach out to me for speaking engagements, podcast episodes, or other things. You can also find my blog and other information there. The last Le uh, Let Peel Prosper episode this week was with Adam Fear of the Austria Institute on Technology Revolution. The upcoming one on Monday, don't miss that one, will be Let Peel Prosper episode with Michael Cannon of the Cato Institute on improving healthcare affordability, accessibility, and quality. And with all of that, uh, let me finish up with a quote of the week by Peter Betke one of my favorite living economists and a mentor to me in many ways, he said, economics teaches humility because it teaches us more about what we can't do than what we can do. That's so important and something that I hope we can uh, learn more about and, and, and use more, more wisely than what we do nowadays. Uh, and the Bible verse of the week comes from Psalm 27.4. 
This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Uh, that's where my eyes are focused each and every day, and I hope they are for you as well. God bless you and your family, and until next time, let people prosper.